Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. We're looking at how God is bringing transformation through His kingdom, through bringing heaven to earth. And uh, tonight I get to talk really about sort of the inner journey of that. And I'll be honest, I've got a few things that sort of like going to teach a couple of things. I feel a few things that God's really put on my heart um, that we can pray into. And um, it's, I guess it's a bit of a journey. We'll see how we go. And I don't have a heap of time, so I kind of, we're just going to, I guess, rip right in, all right? And, and I feel like there's a few things for us, like some of this tonight you might go, yeah, I, I know this, but I feel like as a church, God actually wants us to be on the same page to be understanding some of the same key things. And, and if you know some of this, that's fantastic. Let it strengthen your faith. And if you don't, then that's fantastic. Let it strengthen your faith. But, but I believe that for where God is taking us as a church and what he's doing sort of on this inner and outer journey, it's actually really important for us all to be in that together and as a family to, to really be moving, moving forward. Does that make sense? So when we think about this, I think there's kind of like these two simultaneous journeys that we have. We've got this inner journey and this outer journey. And I guess part of the outer journey is making disciples and telling people about Jesus and, and a whole lot of other elements. And the inner journey is sort of what's happening on the inside, but it's not like they're sort of mutually exclusive or it's not just a linear thing. They kind of happen at the same time. And so you can be telling people about Jesus even if you haven't been fully transformed by Jesus. Does that make sense? And so like both are kind of happening at the same time. However, if you have been more transformed, it gives more credibility when you tell people about Jesus. Make sense? And so there's these sort of these two parts of the journey. So essentially we're advancing the gospel while the gospel is being advanced within us. All right? And so that's kind of, kind of what, we're, what we're doing. And, and this sort of really centers around the good news. Let's let Jesus tell you what the good news is. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news, conveniently. The time promised by God has come at last. He announced the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is near. Repent. It's the good news. Then it says this. And then one day, as Jesus was walking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fish for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. Or in other translations, I'll make you fishers of men or of people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. And he called to them at once. And they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. And I want to look at this. I think that really this is interesting because Jesus sort of explains the good news. And then he goes and he calls his first disciples. And there's this sort of process of repent, believe, follow, and become. And it's essentially what he says. He says, the good news is repent and believe what I've said. And then he goes and shows, then I'm calling people. And when I call them, may they, they're to follow me. And in following me, they actually become, they're transformed. Something happens. All right. So if we think about the good news. Now, Jesus said this, the kingdom of God is at hand. So repent and believe. And the gospel of Jesus is essentially this, life in the kingdom of God and the kingdom being the range of God's effective will. So everything that sort of God wants, his desire, everything the way he wants it to be, this is the kingdom. 
And life in that kingdom, in the presence, power and love and favour of God is now available to ordinary human beings like you and me. Okay, so the good news is that we actually now have access to this kingdom. And it's through Jesus' teaching, through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, through, the, through his grace that we actually live in that reality. Now, often we, we've tended to believe this sort of other gospel, which is like minimal entrance requirements to heaven. Like, what is the least I can do to get into heaven, to still be saved, and I can go live my life sort of how I want, knowing that I've got my golden ticket? All right, and the funny thing is that Jesus' gospel is actually also about getting into heaven, but it's also about getting heaven into you right now. It's shaping and changing and transforming you now, not just when you die. Jesus cares about that, but he actually cares about you now. He cares about how you are transformed now. And so he basically says, this is how you can live why don't you, in following me, why don't you rearrange your entire life around this? Like he presents this thing and then in following me, he basically says, here's my offer to you. Just rearrange everything around that. This is basically what he's saying to you. And so if you want that, then you become his disciple. You learn from him. You learn how to live in the kingdom. And the gospel of Jesus naturally produces disciples. If the gospel we preach doesn't, naturally produce disciples, then we need to rethink what gospel are we actually preaching. Okay, so that actually should be like a a pretty clear equation. Jesus' gospel should equal disciples. And then Jesus goes on and he he asks these guys to follow him. He gives them this invitation. He says, come walk. He's basically saying to them, come and walk with me, live in my kingdom, and I will shape you. Like, I have plans for you. I've got some good plans. I want to do some really cool things with you. And in the process, you'll be shaped so you'll become more like me or you'll actually become the version of yourself you were meant to be. And this verb that he uses, the verb that's used sort of in the Greek, is this word to follow, really is like this call and response of discipleship. And these guys give Jesus, they offer him their full allegiance they said, so we're actually moving away from everything else. So interestingly, Simon and Andrew leave their nets. That's their calling. That's sort of everything they've known up until now. They leave that behind. They follow Jesus. When you read about James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they leave their old way, so their fishing, sort of their, their livelihood. They leave behind their prior claims. That's their father Zebedee and all his hired helpers, all the things that they could have been in charge of. And they follow. They went away after Jesus as disciples. So they leave everything behind and they go, they go after him. And interestingly, when Mark writes this, he assumes sort of basic similarities between the 12 disciples and Christian readers. And so whatever he revealed about the 12, he assumes is the same for all of us. Sometimes we can read that and go, and go that's, that's for you. And some of it is contextually. But when he writes this, he kind of just assumes what I'm writing for these guys, that's the same for all of you too. All right, And so discipleship, following after Jesus, is the expected norm for all who believe the gospel. That's just sort of the natural carrying effect. So our aim is to walk with him, to walk like him, and as John Mark Comer says, to do what he would do if he were you. So if Jesus were you, what would he be doing? Which, has anyone ever asked that? You know, like, Jesus, what would you be doing right now? Because I've got no clue, all right? And so our aim is as we walk with him and become like him, then we kind of work out what that is. And Jesus expects that if you follow him, you'll actually be changed to become like him. 
or to become the version of you that you've always dreamed of. You know there's something in you, you go, I'm not quite who I'm fully meant to be. You know, like, and you kind of know all your shortcomings, and you, you know the way you stuff up, and you know your limitations often. And in following Jesus, we actually become more of who he actually designed us to be. And so there's this whole imagery around a walk, around walking with Jesus. It's walking with him. And when he says, come follow me, basically just says, come and walk with me. Like, let's go for a walk. I mean, it's a continued walk. They don't go back. They just sort of keep going and walking and walking. And interestingly, the earliest Christians were called people of the way. Or like travelers, pilgrims, walkers with God. There's this walking imagery. And walking with Jesus really is this sign that you're close to him. You walk with him, you're close to him. I talked a couple of weeks ago about walking with my dad who can only hear out of his left side. And if I'm walking with him, I have to be on his left side so we're walking together so he can hear me. There's a closeness there. Abraham and Isaac, it says that they were both, they both walked before God. The Hebrew word literally means face. So it's like they walked looking at God's face. Isn't that a cool image? It's walking looking at God's face just showing them where to go. And then Paul writes about um, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The writer of Hebrews writes about looking to Jesus. And so there's this whole imagery of sort of looking at and walking with, walking towards Jesus. And I mean, scientifically, we know that walking is really good for our bodies. It's actually excellent. I mean, different in the UK, the NHS have like an entire section just dedicated to walking, just for good health. And we also know that walking with God is also the best thing for us. And as a Christian, you might have had people over the years like, how's your walk with God going? And if you've ever been in a connect group, like, you know, whatever, some sort of life group when you're in youth group or even now, and every week everyone says the same thing. It's like, oh, I'm struggling with praying. I'm struggling to read my Bible. And everyone goes, oh, wow, that's unique. And then we say the same thing the next week. Yeah. And then we say it all over again. And, and it's just sort of, you know, we often talk about our walk and, and we kind of wonder like, what, what's, what is this walk? What's my walk? What does that even mean? Like I'm walking with God. Interesting, one of the saddest verses in the Bible talks about when many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. The word was too hard, what he he gave. And Jesus never walked away from anyone, but many people walked away from him. Many people found that what he actually said, the walk actually became too hard. What he called of them was too much. And they turned and walked the other way. Um, in the story after, sort of between when Jesus dies and he's resurrected, but he hasn't been fully revealed. And there's a story of two disciples walking on this road to Emmaus. Have you heard this story? And, and they're, walk, they're, they're, well, they're actually just standing there. And they're really distraught because they think, well, Jesus, the promised Messiah, he's gone. And then this guy comes along, who is Jesus? But they don't realize this at the time. And he, it, sa- it says, actually, it says, they stood still, their faces downcast. They're just standing. They're no longer walking. They're just standing. But after walking with Jesus, they were transformed. And this is what they say. Were not our hearts burning within us? There's something about when you walk with Jesus, you're no longer downcast, standing still. They're saying that something was burning within us. It was like something was lit. There was a fire. There was, they didn't even realize straight away that it was Jesus, but they knew there was, they're like, what is this? 
So there's something about when we are walking in close proximity to Jesus, He does something within. He transforms us. And walking with Jesus transforms situations. He transforms emotions and He transforms lives. And that's his desire to walk for each of us, that you would be someone who walks with him as a disciple. To walk with conscious of Jesus means you take your eyes off yourself and you look to him to lead. And maybe you could sing the song, Jesus, Take the Wheel, but I would advise you never do that. Never sing that song. You can let Jesus take the wheel. But, um, but essentially you're going in the same direction as him in his pace, not in your pace, in his pace, and it might prove costly. He might ask more of you than you actually wanted. He might ask for you to do or give up things. You're like, I don't really want to do that. This is asking too much. And, and it may mean he leads you where you don't want to go. And to walk with Jesus, to go even further, it actually requires constant confession of sin. It requires constant communication Relationships are built on good communication. But if you have that level of proximity to divinity, it's going to reveal all the cobwebs and dark corners of your life anyway. So the closer you are to Jesus, the more he reveals about sort of all the muck inside, where you're actually in this communion with him. You're sharing stuff that you're like, I don't want to tell anyone this, but I trust you to tell this to you, Jesus. And that actually draws us even closer to him, that level of communication. Have you noticed that when you communicate really well with a person, it draws you closer? As you share more of yourself, share more honestly, you actually get even closer. And you might have moments, you might meet someone and you don't know them super well, and you have a moment where you kind of really share about your life story or different things, and all of a sudden you go, we're a bit closer. I actually understand you. And it's the same with us and God. But in this walk, we tend to go off straight, don't we? Like we go astray. We, we go in, on detours in different directions. And there is this, the, the word sin in Greek is het, which really means to go astray. Now, we the other week were in, we went down to Melbourne. We drove down to Melbourne. We thought we're just going to, we needed a bit of a road trip. And the timing was kind of weird and terrible, but we were like, Let's just do this. Eva's brother lives in Melbourne and some cousins, and we're like, it'll be good. We'll go and just eat pastries for a week. And um, has anyone been to Loon in Melbourne? And it's like just these wild croissants and things. And, and our little boy, Leon, who's two, he just like, he loves cakes. And because Eva's family are Polish, he says caker, which for a long time I thought was a Polish word. It's not. It's just a word. But he says cake, like just, just looking. We were just scouring the city for cakes. So that was good fun. But Normally, we're pretty good with directions. Like, Eva's better than me at directions. But normally, like, we're pretty good. It seemed like the whole time, we just got lost. We just kept going the wrong way. In fact, at one point, we're trying to get to the zoo, which we could have driven straight through the city. We were like, oh, it looks like there's a lot of traffic and some road work. So we'll go around. And next minute, we found ourselves on Westgate Bridge. And which, if you know Melbourne, like, we're just heading off who knows where. And it took us, I don't know how long. We all had a moment in the car. I might have had a couple of moments in the car um, of like just praying and prophesying and <laughs> blessing my kids. I was like, bless you boys, shut up. But you know, so, you know, just like it was, it was a special moment for us all. And, and when we went to leave, we, um, I remember we, we, we stopped and um, 
I think I put petrol in the car and then I like put in the in Google Maps basically to head home. And on the way down, we'd sort of broken up the trip and stayed over. And we're like, you know, you just sometimes just ready to get home. You're like, I just want to get home. And we put in the thing. It was 10 and a half hours. And I'm like, let's just do this. I'm ready. I'm ready to drive. And um, which normally after about 20 minutes, I feel like having a sleep, but I was ready. All right. And so we drove. We started. And next minute, I took a wrong turn. I don't know how. I don't know where. And then somehow we took another wrong turn. And then we got onto the right freeway. And then we missed our turn. And after 30, 30 minutes, we still had 10 hours and 30 minutes to go. <laughs> and I remember just looking, you know where you start, like your blood is boiling? And you're like, what the, what's going on? And like, we're just getting, we were getting so, so frustrated. We laughed hours later. But, um, but you know, you're just like, this is, this is so painful because we have made no ground we have made zero ground and we've just had detours and even one of the detours was there wasn't like an easy ramp to get off we just had to go keep going along a freeway for like for ages and then turn around and go back along the same freeway you know the whole time you're like this is driving me insane knowing that we have a limited time frame with two boys in the back of the car who like any moment they're gonna be like i need the toilet or I'm hungry, or I vomited somewhere. You know, like, you just know that it's, it's a, you've got a short space of time. And it's those sort of detours, I think in life, like that, that word for sin, to go astray, it's a bit like that. These, these things, they just take us off course. And sometimes you feel like, I've been traveling for the same amount of time, but I've made no ground. And it's this, this sin in our life that can set us sometimes... And then of course, we're on this walk with Jesus. We're walking with him, and next minute we find ourselves heading off in a different direction. Sometimes it's only by a little a degree or two. And at the time, you don't notice it. But a degree or two over a long period of time sends you off in a total different direction. Sometimes they're just wildly, just, you know, you've just gone hard, you know. But these, these, these detours, these sins are the things that actually pull us away. Sometimes it's short-sightedness. We don't see God's long-term plan. We take matters into our own hands. And we go, no, no, God, I have a better idea. And we don't think, God, God always thinks long-term and we can't always see that. And we often think short-term. We go, no, no, I need, to, I need to do something here. Like, God, you're not really doing anything, so I'm going to step in. Sometimes we just think things look better. But it, it's all sin, whatever pulls us off course. God is really gracious. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And he invites us back to walk with him. And I feel like for some of you tonight, actually, that's the word for you. That's it. He's just inviting you back to walk. He's not condemning you. He's not here to put you down. It's his kindness. He's just saying, just, just come back and walk with me. You've sort of been a bit over here. You're heading that way, but just come and walk. Let's walk together. Let's go on a journey. And so as a disciple, we, we choose to live with Jesus, to learn about him, to learn what it is to be like him, to learn to live like him. And we surrender our mind, our will, our emotions. Dallas Willard said this, the disciple's ultimate goal is to live the way Jesus would live if he were in my place. And he does this inner transformation in us so that we might start to live the way Jesus lives. And, and the process, there's this old phrase you might know, it's spiritual formation. Essentially, he's forming our spirit. Now, the outer you is always being performed by what you eat or how much you sleep or how much you don't sleep or there's all these elements. And the inner you is also being formed. Your spirit is continually being formed. 
And it's being formed maybe on purpose or by accident, whatever it is. But it could be by conversations, by what you read, by what you watch, by what you listen to. And we're all being formed spiritually, all of us. Spiritual formation isn't just for the introverts who love to read. It's all of us. You're being transformed in some way, but who will you put in charge of your spiritual formation? If you're a disciple of Jesus, you're saying you're a disciple of Jesus, you're saying, Jesus, I put you in charge of my spiritual formation. And that actually costs you something because then you have to consider what else is it that's actually affecting the formation of your spirit because everything is affecting the formation of your spirit. Everything around you, every conversation you have, things that you listen to, things that you watch, what you read, it affects your spirit. And a disciple, you say, no, Jesus, I put you in charge of this. Now, there's a whole range of, I'm just going to jump over this. There's a whole range of different spiritual disciplines that we can look at. And, and, and I mean, I'd say for you, in terms of the inner journey, really to be transformed is working out what are the things that help you to be more aware of God and lead you to closest with Him. And, and there's this prayer and fasting and reading your Bible and, and, and Sabbath and journaling. The Bible doesn't say you have to journal. For some people, they love it and some people, they, they hate it. But if it brings you closer to God, then do it. If fasting brings you closer to God, then fast. And if it makes you really, really angry, then go eat something and be kind to your family and work out how to fast in a way that doesn't make you super angry. It can be listening, learning to sit and listen to the voice of God. There's all these different disciplines we can engage in. And, and often though, I feel like these disciplines, it's like we're just trying. Like, have you ever done this? Like, I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm just trying. And I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to be faithful, God. And I'm trying to listen to you, but I'm way too distracted because I have AirPods in and I'm listening to something else. And, and I'm like, I'm trying. I try to fast, but I just end up being an absolute jerk. And I, like, I, try, I try to be generous sometimes when it sort of suits me. And, and often, and sometimes like for really good reasons, like we have really pure motives. We are, we are trying. You try to pray. And how many of you have like tried to pray and then you go, this is just hard. Is there anyone? Only, th- okay, four people. That's good. No, okay, most people. I, I mean, and sometimes reading the Bible, you, you read some sections and you might get a bit of flow. And other days you're like, I just can't get into this. It's not like reading Harry Potter or something, you know? Like, you know, you read some books and you're like, I can't put this down. And sometimes you read the Bible and you're like, I can put it down. Okay? If you're totally honest with yourself. But you don't want that. You actually want to be able to have flow and just engage with it. And I think that's often when we are trying. We are trying to form ourselves. And I guess really what I want to look at is another way. Because I feel like what kills the church is trying to be like Jesus. Like trying to love like Jesus. Or, or trying to be joyful like Jesus. Have you ever tried to be joyful? It's a bit gross. It's just kind of weird. You're like, it just feels fake. Like, you know, you're kind of trying to get yourself hyped up and you're like, I just feel like a hypocrite. You don't want to try to be joy. You want to feel, you know that feeling of real joy that wells up from within and you're like, I don't know why I'm giggling and I'm having fun and like life is good. Or even that deep joy of you're like, I'm not laughing, but I just feel a deep sense of joy. You want it to be natural. You don't have to force it. And whenever we have to try, we're forcing things. I don't think that's what God is calling us to. I actually think with our spiritual disciplines, I actually think it's training. It's not trying, it's training. And it's arranging myself around all that will allow me to receive power from God. 
I'm arranging myself. I know that I can't do this. So I'll arrange things to allow myself to receive what I can't do on my own. Okay, so, so arrange your life around practices that enable you to do what you cannot do now by direct effort. You know, I'm, I've tried and I can't do this. So I'm going to set in a practice. I'm going to set in something that will help me to do this. I'm going to, to train myself or allow God to train me because I'm his disciple. I'm allowing him to form me, okay? And it might, you know, it sounds a bit sort of, I don't know, a bit harsh and militaristic, but if you actually want to see change, if you want to be moved to become like Jesus, you actually have to put some boundaries because everything else will form you unless you actually put in some boundaries, some parameters to say, no, I actually will allow this to shape me, all right? So I arrange myself around what will allow me to receive power from God. And I guess I want to just talk about two areas really quickly because I feel like when it comes to, and I mentioned them already, but self and prayer and reading our Bible, they are two of the most amazing ways to connect with God, to learn from Him, to understand Him, to allow our internals to be formed, but two of the hardest. And I, would, I just want to suggest one idea. What if instead of trying to pray or trying to read the Bible, you allowed prayer to form you and you allowed Scripture to form you? So, for example, say prayer. Instead of me coming with an agenda and me saying, God, this is what we're going to do, this is what I'm going to try to actually sit and say, God, how would you form me today? How would you direct me? Your prayer might be a 30-second prayer. I always think start small. Don't, don't go, I'm just going to sit and pray for an hour. Go for like a minute or two, 30 seconds, whatever. But you say, God, how would you form me today? Allow prayer to form you. Not coming with your own agenda, but pray to be formed in the image of God. You know, we often say like, might hear people say, bow your heads and close your eyes. And we close our eyes so we're not distracted. It's not in the Bible. We close our eyes so we're not distracted. You bow your head before a king, don't you? Before someone in authority. And if you were to bow your head, you say, I'm bowing my head because I'm allowing you to direct me. I'm acknowledging that you are God. And in praying to you, like, I, I'm, I'm bowing. I'm, I'm acknowledging that you are above. I'm saying, God, in my time with you now, would you form me? Would you shape me? I'm not going to try because I've tried. I feel like the longer I've been a Christian, the more simple my prayers are. They're less eloquent. Like, I don't see the value in being super fancy now. I used to. used to think it was really important. And now it just sounds fancy. Now, I don't think God always needs fancy. I think he needs honest. The other one is allow Scripture to form you. In James 1, it says, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. But I'd encourage you to embrace a humble position. Often what we do is we come and we say, I'm going to read this section and I'm going to dictate what I read and I'm going to pick and choose the bits that I like that will suit me today. I need a good psalm. I'm going to read a psalm. This is an encouraging one. I like this one. I'm going to sit and I'm going to read this one. Oh, I like that section. I don't like the bit where he says, smash the baby's heads against the rock, but I like the bit beforehand where he talks about how much he loves me. Okay? And so, but we can pick these little bits and we go, I like this little bit. And we, we, we come with an agenda. Instead of saying, God, I'm going to sit under your authoritative word and allow it to form me. I'm going to sit and read and say, God, how would you shape me today as I read your words? We're talking, we talked 
Mum spoke 10 years ago about take him at his word. How could you sit and read the words of Jesus and say, form me today, God. How can I become more like you? Not coming with an agenda, but to sit under, to allow it to shape and transform you. I, this is super cheesy, right? And I know it's super cheesy. You know, there's the, the phrase, you know, be in the world, not of the world. I feel like God is saying sometimes we are in the word, but not of the word. Maybe it's more poignant than cheesy. I think it's both. I feel like God is directly saying to us, you read the word and you're trying to do what it says, allow me to form you. I actually feel like he's, I feel like he would probably be even more harsh than that. Not harsh in a condemning way, but straightforward. And he's saying, you read it, but you're not sitting long enough to allow me to shape you. You're reading it and ticking off a list. I've done my Bible reading. I read my psalm, got my encouraging verse for the day I'm out. And he's saying, no, no, sit with it long enough for me to allow it to transform you. If you want that inner work to be done, let me transform you. Is that, is that okay? All right. All right, we're going to go real quick. So I just want to talk about gardening for two seconds and then um, more than two seconds. And then I just want to pray for something and then we're going to worship and I'll get you up in a minute. You're a good man. In Galatians 5, it talks about this. It talks about the result of the Holy Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Did you ever learn that when you were in, you know, in Sunday school? And have you ever learned about like trying to transplant those things? Like today we're going to try to be loving. Today we're going to try to be joyful. Today we're going to try this or that. It's fruit. You can't just stick it on a tree. It's what comes out. And so as you abide, as you are sitting under the Word of God, as you are sitting with Him in prayer and allowing Him to transform you, what happens is that those are the natural outworkings of the Spirit working in your life. So as you are with God, as you are walking with Jesus, as you are abiding with the Spirit, what should naturally come out is love and joy and peace. And as you are close to Him and confessing, He reveals areas like you're not joyful, You've been pretty just angry. And you go, well, what's that in me? How do I bring that to you? You're not very peaceful. You've been really short with people. Okay, what is, what is this in me? Because I want you to produce peace in me. I can't try to create. Have you ever tried to create peace in yourself? Tried to feel peaceful? It's, 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 it's hard, all right? And so, so then, like, I guess the idea is as you grow, if, like, what is it that's on the inside? If you were to be, cut what is it that bleeds is it that sort of fruit that bleeds out is that what's actually growing the inside and then to continue the garden imagery jesus talks about a vine and we're going to just talk about this then we're going to pray because he says this i'm the vine you are the branches whoever remains in me or abides in me produces much fruit but what's interesting is he goes on to talk about two different branches the ones that produce fruit he prunes and the ones who don't produce fruit he cuts it's interesting because pruning is cutting. Am I wrong? Like I've always found that funny because if you prune, you look at pruning, you're like, I'm still cutting the thing. Like it hurts. Um, Ever and I aren't good gardeners, but our friend Haley is a great gardener. And when we moved into our house, she came around, looked at our garden, garden and this sort of whole thing was overgrowing. And she's like, you just need to cut it right back. Like prune it right back. So there's like no greenery. And there were these flowers and it was really pretty. And so... Ever got in and just just cut the whole thing back, and it looked super ugly, like it was raw. And we were sort of there going, "What have we done? This is horrendous." It grew back stronger, 
and more beautiful than the way it was before. God prunes the ones he loves. And if you're producing fruit, you abide in him. He often prunes you. And I, as I was preparing this, this is what I really feel for some of you. If you're lonely, maybe that's some pruning. Maybe pruning looks like loneliness. Maybe all your friends have gone to Europe. <laughs> but, but actually, because half the world is in Europe right now. Half our church, I think, is in Europe. How do these people afford it? Seriously, that's another question. That's another question. You've all seen, you've all thought that. How are you affording this right now? Loneliness could be pruning. God is revealing to you what you have put between him and you. And he's pulled it away and it looks so raw and he's saying, now abide in me. For some of you, it's financial instability. You're like, I'm terrified about my finances. And God is saying, good, now we can finally have that out of the way and I can connect with you in a way that we couldn't before. So God wants, Jesus wants you to abide with him. He wants you to be close. And, and sometimes he'll prune or move things away that would otherwise stand between you and him. And so, so tonight, I guess, actually, one of my favorite books is Reese Howell's Intercessor. Have you ever read this? Welsh Revival, amazing. He says this, I began to side with the Holy Spirit against myself and looked on the stripping, like the pruning, as a deliverance rather than a loss. He began to side with the Holy Spirit against himself. He's like, yeah, God, I am with you to turn me into the person you want me to be. You kind of go to war against yourself if you want to be even more harsh. And so I guess tonight, maybe there is something you need to go to war against yourself in. You go, I've allowed this to stand in the way. Maybe tonight you go, I feel like I'm being pruned and I want to say to you, God loves you. And he is allowing that pruning to draw you closer to his heart. He is present there with you, but he's actually allowing that because he knows you've been producing fruit and he wants to draw you close. Maybe for some of you, you go, I feel like I've been on a detour. I was walking and I detoured. Maybe it was by a degree or maybe it was by 90 degrees. But you detoured and you're like, tonight, Jesus, I want to come back to your heart. I want to be on this inner journey with you where you are shaping and molding me to become more like you. Maybe there's something else. you want to stand? We're going to pray. I guess one last thing. If, if you're becoming more like Jesus and you know this every day, keep doing what you're doing. And if you can see areas where you go, I know I'm not becoming more like Jesus, then rearrange your life around his will. Allow him to transform you. Allow him to shape you. Um, I just want to, can we just pray over a couple of those things quickly? Because I feel like there's a few key things, and I might get the prayer team out in a second. But I really feel like for some of you tonight, you've come in, and there's a few people who you're feeling that pruning. You go, and you didn't think it was love. It just felt like a cut. And, and I think God wants to remind you that he, he prunes the ones he loves because he is drawing you closer to his heart. So would you pray with me? So Heavenly Father, we lift up anyone tonight who is feeling that pruning, whether it's that loneliness or fear about finances or, or the future, Maybe it's a relational area. Whatever it is, Lord, we lift up anyone tonight who is feeling pruned by you. Pruned in life, cut back, missing out, short. Lord, we pray that in this moment they will know that you are present and it's your kindness that's actually allowed this so that he can, he can draw you back, draw them back to your heart.
to reveal areas that we've placed security on rather than you. Lord, I lift up anyone tonight who, who has been on a detour, who has walked maybe 900 degrees or a couple of degrees, but they were walking with you, walking close to your heart on this inner journey, and they just said, stuff it, I'm heading in a different direction. But tonight they want to come back to your heart. So Lord, I pray for anyone tonight whose heart is being stirred right now. Lord, actually pray that they'll, they'll come up for prayer. We want to offer that to you afterwards. Lord, may they come back to your heart tonight to know that you are present and you love them. It's your kindness that leads them back, back to your heart. Lord, for each of us on this journey of discipleship with you, this inner journey of becoming more like you, I thank you that you are teaching and training. But Lord, may we each commit ourselves to rearranging our life around you, around what will draw us closer to you, to allow you to train us, to shape us, to mold us, whether it's through prayer or scripture or sitting with other Christians or, or listening to you, whatever it is, God, may we be people who shape ourselves or allow ourselves to be shaped by you to become more like you. Lord, I thank you for every person here, for what you're doing in them tonight, for what you're speaking, how you're shaping the journey they're on, Lord. You know, you know the intricacies of their journey and you love them. Lord, I thank you for our church. This is a beautiful place. You have a beautiful family. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing here, for how you are drawing us together as a family. We thank you for all of your blessings, God. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.